Welcome to the Roxborough Church Podcast. For more resources and information, visit RoxboroughChurch.org. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. Amen, amen. Awesome. Yeah, you could clap it up for the worship team. Um, such a great job. Um, I actually, Jaira um, is just a, a favorite song um, of mine and my wife as well. And um, uh, such a beautiful song, just reminding of, us of God's faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Have you guys been enjoying the songs lately? They've just been good, right? Like, I feel like they've just been really awesome. Um, and be on the lookout. Um, we will be uh, posting a playlist um, for you guys to just uh, listen to. Um, so check out our Facebook, our Instagram this upcoming week. We're going to be releasing a, a playlist, just something to keep this uh, idea of being satisfied in God on our hearts, right? So I'm sure Jaira will be on there. I'm sure Graves the Gardens, if you guys have been enjoying that, that, that'll be on there as well. And so that can fuel your commute uh, to and from work and wherever you're at to kind of uh, continue to think on God's goodness and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited, y'all, for uh, being able to preach uh, week two of, of satisfaction to you guys. Um, listen, this is something that all of us, I believe, long for, right? We are longing to be satisfied in God. We're longing to experience satisfaction because uh, our work isn't cutting it, right? More money isn't cutting it. Um, all of these things don't cut it, right? And there's, there's a reason for that, um, which we'll get into. But uh, for those who uh, haven't been with us, those online, those in person, um, last week we talked about satisfaction and the fact that we can only be satisfied, truly satisfied, right? Because there are counterfeits, there are other forms of satisfaction that we might thought that, hey, this is satisfaction because it felt good, or this is satisfaction because I enjoyed it, but true satisfaction is found in Jesus, Amen. Amen. And so uh, just to kind of give you a recap, we, we have a working de definition of satisfaction. I didn't mention it last week, but here it is. Um, biblical satisfaction or the satisfaction we're talking about is contentment. Say contentment. That is grounded in God's unchanging character and goodness, which produces a spiritual hunger and thirst for more of him, not merely his good gifts. And it's not complacency, but it's informed joy in Jesus. And so really what we're saying is satisfaction is found in God himself, right? All of the good things that we enjoy are actually signposts to show us how amazing and awesome God is, right? So all the things we enjoy in life, those are good things, right? We can abuse them, right? Of course, but they actually are pointing to the one who gave it, right? And it's God. And so God is saying, listen, when, when you enjoy good food, when you enjoy family, when you enjoy that promotion, when you enjoy that relationship, it's actually pointing that there's someone above that that satisfies. And that's drawing us to God. And so uh, we kind of went over that last week. We also talked about that satisfaction is not in our stuff, right? It's a soul issue. And uh, this uh, week... Just to kind of give you guys an example, I experienced this. So um, how many of you guys know that there are sometimes we get food cravings? Yes. Amen. Right. And, and, and most times, like, we don't crave the healthy stuff, right? We create, like, the bad stuff. Um, but, but check this out. I found this, and I actually uh, tested it out, and it actually worked. But sometimes water actually quenches your food cravings. 
That's so weird, isn't it? You're like, yo, I'm hungry. Why does water the thing that quenches my food cravings, right, for salty foods or whatever? And so I, lo I looked it up and uh, tried it out and actually worked. I, I had, like, finished a cheesesteak, and for some reason it was just, like, not, like, filling. Like, I was like, yo, I'm still hungry. And it was just, like, that saltiness and all of that, and I just was not satisfied. And, and, I, and I'm like, yo, I should drink water. And I did. And I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I'm good. And so this is what uh, some experts say. They say dehydration can cause some people to crave salty foods, bad foods, all of that. The solution is simple. Drink more water. An eight-ounce glass of water can also help you feel full and get your mind off of your food cravings in the moment. In fact, what you think are food cravings may actually be thirst. Isn't that weird? You know what I mean? Didn't think you could get a, a health lesson right on a Sunday. But the reason why I say that is because I think that's a lot like our uh, relationship with God and just what we're, all of us are longing for things, right? We're longing, and oftentimes what we do is, rather than check in with the one who actually understands us, right, the one who knows everything about us, who understands where these longings come from, a lot of times we fill our lives with stuff, right? We get, we get busier, we uh, look for something to buy, right? We uh, look to replace our loneliness just by being around people, just in order to fill it up temporarily. And what I think is happening is that really what we are is longing for God. We're longing for more of God. And I'm not saying you can't experience God in those things. In fact, part of my sermon is that you can, but I'm, I'm also challenging us to say, when you're feeling those things, man, rather than just go right to those things, like go to God. Ask God, God, what is going on in my heart? God, would you satisfy me with yourself? Um, and then lastly, we talked about that uh, satisfaction requires a savior, right? It is not enough for me to say, hey, I'm just going to adjust my life, right? I'm going to wake up earlier, right, so I could get more done. Um, I'm going to just uh, maybe get some more friends, right, so I don't have to be lonely. Or maybe my issue is a money issue. I'm just going to try to work harder, get a second job, whatever it may be. But in reality, our minds and our hearts and our affections need to be changed from the inside. It's not enough to replace things from the outside. We need someone to come and change our hearts. And we said that's Jesus and what he has done in the gospel. And so our first step, listen, like, I'm going to give you guys some practical things today to practice. But that first step, if you haven't already, is to put your trust in Jesus. That's that first step, right? Because all this other stuff is just religious activity without Jesus. All this other stuff I'm going to give you is just us adding stuff into our lives, but First is a relationship with Jesus, and then these things can have their place. And so uh, would you close your eyes and uh, just repeat this prayer? Uh, dear Lord, would you point me to the pathways of satisfaction in you? In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So uh, if you have your Bibles, if you have your smartphones or whatever you're using, would you join me in Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13? Um, I'll give you some time to turn there. It will be on the screen. And so Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13, this is kind of our main passage of today. When you get there, say Amen. Amen. Philippians 4, verse 11 and 13. Paul's writing this. Apostle Paul, he says this. He says, I am not saying this because I am in need. 
I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Amen. That sound, sounds like Jaira, right? I've learned to be content in any and every situation. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, he obviously, a lot of you know, he wrote the, a lot of the New Testament. Uh, he was a, a guy that, uh, honestly, when you look at his life, man, you can't help but get inspired. Right? When you look at Paul's life, you see all that he was able to do. You see his love for Jesus, the fact that he went to country to country to country telling people about Jesus. I mean, don't we want that kind of passion? Like, right, that might not be what God's calling you to do, right? Don't, don't get me wrong that your, your call might not be to jump from country to country. But when you see his passion, I mean, it's inspiring. But Paul, unfortunately, in spreading the gospel and spreading the good news about Jesus, that he saves, that he came down, that he loved us, um, oftentimes it got him in trouble. And so Paul, in this particular passage, he's in prison. And he's saying, I've learned to be content in any and every situation. So... Here's the thing. When we're talking about what would um, cause you to believe that you can be satisfied in any and every situation, wouldn't, wouldn't you take note from the guy who's in prison saying this? Think about that. Like, it's one thing to say, yo, I'm satisfied when your bank account is full, when you got your friends, when everything's good. But to say, I'm content, I'm joyful, I'm delighting in God, I'm enjoying him when I'm in prison, I mean, that's a whole nother level, right? That's a whole nother level. That makes me say, man, it must be possible. At least I'm, I'm thinking that in my head. It must be possible to be content because this guy is in prison. He's in a low situation, and yet he's saying, I'm content. And I, I want to focus in on verse 12 where it says, I have learned the secret of being content. And that's kind of the principle for this morning. I have learned to be content. You see, satisfaction didn't d- just drop on Paul's lap, right? He, it didn't just come up the sky. He didn't just have an epiphany and woke up one morning. I mean, that'd be great. He wakes up one morning, he's like, yo, I'm satisfied in everything. That'd be great, right? But that's not what he says. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in every, in any and every situation. And listen, he went through some really hard times. He went some really good times. But it's not just the situations either, right? We can go through various situations. That doesn't guarantee that you're going to learn contentment because you've been through some stuff, right? There's something else that we need to learn. So it's not the situations. It's not this epiphany moment. But here's my main idea for this morning for all of us. In order to experience satisfaction in Jesus, contentment in Jesus, we must learn to cultivate it. We must learn to cultivate it. So uh, I, um, many of you guys probably have this, whether it's uh, you see somebody cook a really awesome meal on TV or you see an artist that you really like, right, or a musician or an athlete, and they do something amazing, right? YouTube allows you to kind of indulge in all of this, but whenever I see someone who does something really amazing, like, I get inspired, right? I'm, and, and for a split second, I'm like, man, I wish I could do that. Right, like I see a back, someone do a backflip, and for a split second, I'm like, I might try this, but then reality kicks in, and I'm like, no, I'm good. Like I'm not gonna break my back. Um, but we see this, right? And oftentimes in our minds, we're like, man, they make it look so easy, right? 
And the reality of it is for them, you see them enjoy it. You enjoy watching them do it. But the reality of it is all of that, they would probably tell you with this, there, there might be a, a small 2% of people who can do that. Like they woke up like that, right? They woke up being able to do some of these things, right? We call them prodigies. But for the rest of, of these people, they will tell you that they cultivated this. They discipline themselves to be able to do what they do, right? And then guess what? That produced joy in them. Right? No one likes to, to not be good at something. Right, It's not fun. If you've cooked a meal before and you're not good at cooking, when you burn it, it's not fun. Right, It's fun when you cook it and, it and it comes out good and people eat it. They're like, yo, this is good. But when someone tastes it and it's burnt and they're like, I'm probably not going to your house again. Right, like That aspect, no one enjoys that. Right, And so the reality of it is there is a cultivation that we realize that when we want to enjoy a, a, a practice, a discipline, an art form, we cultivate it, right? But when we come, when it comes to our relationship to Jesus, while there are things that I think God does, he intervenes by his spirit and he enlightens us and he inspires us, there is an aspect of it where we need to cultivate it. And I know discipline in our day is kind of like a cuss word, right? We don't like it because it, it kind of brings us back to grade school, right? Where like, your parents told you, yo, practice these like multiplication problems or uh, just, you know, recite these uh, flashcards or these uh, cue cards with the definitions on it, right? It, it brings up maybe bad memories for you, but I promise you, I promise you, these pathways that I'm going to talk about, they will actually help to cultivate joy in God over time. So there is some patience there, but they will cultivate joy over time. And so let, let's jump into them. Uh, the first one for us today, a pathway to joy, not merely discipline for discipline's sake, but a pathway to experiencing joy in Jesus is pray for satisfaction in Jesus regularly. Pray for satisfaction in Jesus regularly. I know that's not, that might not sound super profound, but have you ever thought about that? Like, are you regularly praying that God would satisfy you in your relationship with him? Right? Because it's not just enough to do it, right? We're, we're asking God in that moment, we're saying, God, I want regularly to realize that satisfaction ultimately comes from you. It's a principle saying, God, I need you to satisfy me, not my own efforts, right? Not, not the stuff that I'm running after, but I need you to satisfy me. And so the psalmist, uh, I believe it was David, writes this in Psalm 90, verse 14. He's, he prays this prayer, and this is a prayer we can pray as well. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days, right? Anyone, anybody want to be joyful, more joyful, right? Anybody want to be more joyful in God, right? Not just kind of like wandering around our lives, like with our heads, like, you know what I mean, slump. Like we want to enjoy God. And there is, there is room for sorrow. I'm not saying that, but ultimately what God is asking us is saying, are you praying for your own satisfaction? Are you praying that in the morning or whatever time you have time to pray? God, would you satisfy me? Would you make yourself real to me? God, would you make these truths that I believe, would you make them come alive in my heart? And so we have license by, by God, by the Bible and what it says to pray, to ask God for satisfaction. So I challenge you, do that regularly. Do that for the next two weeks. Make it a habit. Uh, pray for your satisfaction in the Lord. Uh, number two, regularly think on God's goodness. Regularly think on God's goodness. See, um, it's interesting. 
has, has anybody ever been on a treadmill before? Yes? Cool. I see some smiles, right? You're probably like, it's been a while, but I've been on a treadmill before. Well, here, here's the interesting thing, and, and I used to do this as a kid. Uh, whenever I would run on the treadmill, there would be a part of my uh, curiosity while the thing was moving would be to stop on the treadmill and see how far I could slide back before I caught my balance again. Anybody else? Just me, because I'm foolish, right? Um, but I would do that, and it was just this game I would do, right? And then you'd, like, turn the speed up, and then you realize, like, uh, I'm about to go flying if I do this, right? And, um, but, but here's the interesting thing. Absent of training, right? So in that moment, you're, you're actually having to run to stay on the treadmill, right? You're ha- actually having to run to stay on it. And I think for us, we don't realize, but because of the fall of man, because sin entered the world, right, our default, right, is to not think good things or to think on God, right? There are elements of that that we, 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 we think on good things, right? And I, I believe that's God's, uh, that's God's intervention in a sense. But there's a sense where we have to fight against being on autopilot in our minds, right? We naturally think of negative things, right? We naturally think of worst case scenarios at times, right? We naturally think of just like our minds just go numb sometimes. We're just driving aimlessly, right? And just like, look at all the things that I got to do today, right? Like that's, that's our default, right? And so there is a sense where we have to train our minds to focus on God's goodness, I'm not saying there aren't moments to plan what your week's going to look like and all of that and fill your mind with those things. But there is a sense where we have to say, God, am I regularly thinking about how good you are? God, am I regularly thinking about how amazing you are, right? God, am I regularly thinking that you're my provider, that you're faithful, that you're good, that you're a forgiving God, that you're a loving God, right? Are we filling our minds with that? Do Do you have a catalog of verses that you regularly go to when your heart is uneasy or where you're anxious or where you're feeling low. Think about that. Because what, what, where, where is it going to come from? Absent of, if we're, if we're not filling our minds, right? Like, this is why God's word is so helpful. It shows us who God is, but it reminds us of God regularly. So when you're driving, you could actually begin to say like, yo, I'm feeling anxious right now. Uh, Philippians where it says, don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and petition, make your requests known to God and the God of peace will be with you. I mean, that's a, that's a shot in the arm right there when you're feeling anxious, right? Like that's a moment that you can fill your mind and say, God, thank you. And you could pray that up to God. God, thank you that you keep me even when I'm anxious. God, thank you that you're my God of peace. God, thank you that even though I go through things like this, you're still with me. And so do we have regular uh, verses that we can come to mind on or that come to mind that we can fill our minds with? Do we have a catalog of experiences of what God has done in our lives as well. I mean, this, this, this one, y'all, like during the pandemic, I, I remember feeling like I had moments of feeling low. Anybody else? Right? Like I had low moments and there were moments where literally I had to look back in my life and say, God, where are the ways that you showed up 
God, like, where are the ways that I saw you intervene? Like, um, when, I was, when I was younger, I went through, like, a, a stage of depression, and I went back to those days where I felt God's peace in those moments, where I felt God comforting me, God being there with me. And I had to go back to those days and say, God, listen, if you've did, done it here, you could do it here. Right? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So if God was faithful then, God is going to be faithful now. And so we need to fill our minds. We need to talk to our hearts, our souls, and say, listen, your God is faithful. Your God will satisfy you here in the same way that he satisfied you here. Your God will take care of you here in the same way that he will take care of you here. The situation might be different. The way God shows up might be different. But the fact that God will take care of you here like you did over here, it reminds us to say, man, I can, I can trust God in any season, in any season. Amen? This is pathway number three. Uh, seek encouragement from other believers. Listen, this one excited me last night, and I, I didn't prepare to speak about it in a way that I did last night. But one of the things that I'm, I'm, I'm grateful, and this is the reality of, of what we have been saved unto. You see, Jesus did not save you simply to be by yourself. Jesus didn't save you to be by yourself. He didn't save you to just be you and God, although that's cute, right? Like, he saved you to be with him and one another, right? It's why the great commandment says, love God and love your neighbor, right? It's the reason why God created this model called the church, right? Because God could have said, hey, it's just me and you. But no, he created other people to experience it with. And I think oftentimes we rob ourselves of experiencing God in fresh ways when we decide to say, hey, we're not going to experience it in one another. And I'm not just saying, yo, let's just, you know, get together and that kind of thing. But I'm saying deep relational commitment, deep relational gathering with one another. I was with um, a friend earlier this week. I met him at this uh, concert thing that was going on this week. And... Um, one of the things that uh, afterwards, after the concert was done, we were talking and, and we were sharing about just like where, where we were at in our lives, right? Different kind of stages that we have kind of transitioned to. And um, after all of that, we, it turned a corner and it began to be like, he, so he's, he's a father. And I was, I was sharing with him that I was, I was very encouraged by just seeing his love for his newborn son, right? And... Um, and, and somewhere in that conversation, like, it began to kind of be this, like, relation, like related to God's love for us as his children, right? So I'm like, man, you're such a good dad. I'm, I'm, like, appreciating what I'm seeing you. You make being a father look cool, right? Like, I'm like, man, I'm, I look forward to being a dad. You're, you're making it look good. And it turned a corner to be like, man, like, that, it reminds me of God's love for his kids, like, God delights in, in, in his kids, right? Like God delights in his kids. And so um, we were sharing that and somewhere like in the conversation, both of us could see like we were smiling, like there was like this like light that kind of occurred in the conversation that we were like, man, this isn't just like a regular conversation. This is like encouragement, right? This is, this is bigger than just kind of like us shooting the breeze. Like, yo, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. All right, cool. I'm glad that you're good. Like it, it went beyond that surface level and that's what God desires for us, y'all. Like, God wants his church to be a place where, yes, you get a good word, right, on Sunday. Yes, you hear some really inspirational music, all of that. But guess what? Like, if you're a believer here, like, you have God's spirit living within you. 
Like you have Jesus, right, manifested by God's spirit living in you. And so your conversations have the ability to, to bless people. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't know that we think about that, right? You might have your own agenda when you come to church and what you want to talk about. But listen, like, God has set you up not just to come to church and hear a good message and listen to worship, but, like, the conversations afterwards have the ability to, to, to get somebody up out of depression. Like, have the ability to encourage someone who's, like, experiencing, like, God is far from them. Right? Like, and so when we begin to just like think about like, oh yeah, our words and our, our time together doesn't have that much power, we rob ourselves of what God might be wanting to do through us. And so my challenge to you is that would you seek opportunities? When you come to church, would you say before you uh, get in the building, God, would you set up a conversation with somebody so that I can be blessed, so that I can be a blessing to them? God, would you set up an opportunity where I, I might just be able to pray for someone? Like, after this conversation, I'm like, God, like, hey, can I pray for you? Right? Like, or do we look for opportunities like that? Because God is saying there is, there is joy that I'm supplying in that. There is joy to be had in being with one another, enjoying one another, but also being expectant of what God might want to do in our conversations and in our time together, Right? Don't, don't rob yourself. Don't downplay what God could do in you through a conversation, through time together. Um, these last three are just principles. I promise you they are found in Scripture. Um, and I'll, I'll give you some, uh, some stories to point to or whatever, but I do not have verses for these, at least all of them. This fourth one, this might, this might uh, not sit well with you to some people, or at least you desire it, but... I'll explain. Slow down, number four. Slow down. Um, I say what I said before because I think in our culture, we're a very fast-paced culture, right? Like things are just super fast-paced. Um, growing up, I, I would watch my mom um, cook, right? And uh, my, mom, my mom's the best cook in the world, in my honest opinion. Um, but, uh, one thing I would experience her cooking and I've, I've actually learned to cook myself is this, uh, dish called pernil and it's, a it's basically a roast pork shoulder. Um, some of y'all mouths watering right now thinking about it. Um, but the process in making this dish is like, I mean, it's, it can be intense in some ways, right? There's all these like herbs, garlic, like it's a whole process, it's a marinade, like it's amazing, but you have to let it sit in order to get that flavor. Like if I were to try to do it quick and then just inject it and then like throw it in the oven four hours and then like take it out, like it would not get the same flavor, right? Those who, who cook stews and soups and all of this stuff, there's a level, like if you throw all this stuff in the pot, turn it up and then try to serve that to your family two hours, like they're probably gonna order out. I'm just being honest, right? Like, there's certain foods that it takes time to marinate, right? It takes time to get that flavor in there. And I think this principle is found with uh, Jesus, right? First, Jesus pulls away from the busyness of his ministry, and he actually spends time with God the Father. Why? I think he, he gives us this principle because it's impossible to do all the things that God is calling us to do and impossible to, to enjoy God fully if we're always busy, 
if we're all if we don't have that time to be with God to really just sit not just skim through it right but to actually sit with God I think uh the story of Mary and Martha in this there's a uh, two two sisters right and uh, Mary or Martha's busy. Jesus comes around. Martha's preparing all the food and stuff. And, and that's good. Don't get me wrong. But Mary decides, she's like, yo, I'm going to slow down. I'm going to take time. I'm going to sit and be with Jesus. Right? I'm, I'm going to sit. I'm going to hear his words. I'm going to not let all of the, the laundry and all of that stuff kind of get in the way. Like that stuff will get done. Right? Laundry's important. But she's like, yo, I'm going to sit here with Jesus. I'm going to hear his words. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take in who he is and what he's doing in my life. And I think for us, that's, that's something that we need to start implementing. And listen, if you're in a busy season, this isn't to condemn you. This isn't to say that there aren't seasons where we are busy and we need to take care of some stuff. But, but would you pray at least? Would you ask God, God, would you show me? pockets of time that I can pull away. God, would you help me? And I promise you, there are going to be moments where your phone's going to ring, you're going to get a text. In your mind, you're going to start be filling up with like, yo, like, I got to answer these emails. I got uh, laundry to do, right? Like, I got, uh, oh, there's this invitation to go to this thing, and like, that'd be cool, or whatever. Like, and I want you to know, like, what that is. I'm not saying those things are bad, but those are moments that will come up at times, and you have to make a decision in that moment. You have to say, listen, it's been a minute since I actually sat to be with the Lord. And so there are moments we have to say, look, I, I got to turn off my phone. I'll answer that email later. I'll answer that. I'll, I'll get to that laundry in a minute. But I need this for my soul, right? I need to be with God. We are spiritual beings. We are eternal beings. And God actually wants to satisfy you with himself. But if we don't make time in those moments to slow down, we won't experience it. I'm almost done, y'all. Fifth pathway, invite Jesus into everything. Invite Jesus into everything. Um, for this one, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, the Bible says this, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, right? How many of you guys have heard that before? Do everything for the glory of God. Well, here's the interesting thing. As Christians, we were created to glorify God. And we were created to be satisfied in glorifying God. There's some, the way that God has designed it, in bringing God glory, we're actually able to be satisfied. Case in point, that's why when you sing your favorite worship song, you actually feel good. Right? That, that's why when you come to church and you hear God's word, there's something in your heart that stirs up. Why? Because there's something about offering up something to the Lord, right, that we actually receive back from it. And God has designed that. And so here's the thing. If that's the case, if we're to glorify God in everything, whatever you eat, drink, or whatever you do, that whatever, and we're meant to be satisfied in that, then we should be bringing God into every situation, did y'all see that? We should be bringing God or inviting Jesus into everything. And so a lot of times we talk about sacred spaces like church and, and things like that. But when you're washing the dishes, you have the opportunity to spend time with the Lord. That seems weird, right? You're like, yo, when I, I mean, being honest, when I wash dishes, there's times my mind goes numb. 
I'm like, just like, look, this is my moment to decompress and just kind of like stare off out the window, right, and, and, and not worry about my day. But there are moments, whether it's the shower, like washing dishes, going for a walk, like taking God wherever you are and injecting Jesus into it. Amen. And so here, here's some practical things. Pray in non-sacred spaces. Listen, if you have a prayer time and this is where you do it, take it outside. Do something else with it, right? Like f- try to pray in spaces that you don't, don't normally pray as a practice of saying, God, you're with me here and you're with me there, right? Thank God before, during, and after you are enjoying something. Listen, the fact that you experience God's goodness the fact that when you hear music and you get excited, right, and you want to dance, or the fact that you eat good food and you're like, man, this is the best steak I ever had, or when you're experiencing time with your family and you're laughing, right, like in that moment, would you think that, man, the reason why this is enjoyable is because God is good? Like, would you, in that moment, would you train your mind to think, God, thank you for this moment. I promise you, it doesn't have to be a long prayer, but would you practice a heart of gratitude in that moment that you would say, man, God, you are so good. Thank you for the joy of laughter. God, thank you for community that I have with my family and friends. God, thank you for this good food that you've blessed me to be able to enjoy. God, thank you for this music. You've created music to be something enjoyable and the gifts you've given people. Would you, would you thank God for those moments? Because that trains us to see God in everything. Right, Not just when we're at church, not just when we're reading our Bibles, not just when we're uh, praying, but in all things, in all things. Last one for you, practice different ways to spend time with God. I kind of gave you some uh, practical things, but practice different ways to spend with God. So uh, many of you guys have different Enneagram numbers, right? I'm not going to go through them because I don't even know them all, but... Um, many of you guys are introverts or extroverts, right? And with that, I believe this. I believe God has wired you to be the way that you are. So I'm not, I'm not here to say like, yo, if you're an introvert, like there's something wrong with you. Or if you're an extrovert, like, yo, you need to tone it down. Maybe for some of the extroverts, you probably do need to tone it down a little bit. Um, I know cause I'm, I'm probably more of an extrovert, but, but I think the way God has designed us y'all is, um, intentional. And so we need to learn how to kind of harness the way God has wired us in a way to be able to uh, know how to spend time with God and know how to be used by God. But, but I want to say this. There are ways that because of the way we're wired, we spend time with God a certain way, right? And so for many of us who are introverted, hey, you, you, love, you love your personal quiet time, right? You love the time that it's just you and God because I love being alone, right? Like, that, that just works. And yet, it might be a little bit harder to say, hey, I'm going to read my Bible with another person. Or I might dip out a little bit earlier from church because I don't really do, like, the conversations too much, right? Like, I can only tolerate it but a certain amount. Well, I want to challenge you. Would you, this week, would you pray about, hey, God, w- would I take a step in maybe trying a different way of spending time with Jesus, right? Extroverts, for all my extroverts, you might love gathering with people. Like, that's your thing. You love being around people. You love reading your Bible with people. You love corporate worship. You like everything about being with people. But there might be something that God's doing on the inside to say, hey, Ricky, you need to pull away and experience solitude and silence. Because there's some things that I want to say to your heart personally. There's some things that I want to speak to you personally that I can't do in the crowd. 
right? And so my challenge, wherever one you land, maybe somewhere in, the, in between, would you switch up your routine? Sometimes we're in a rut. Listen, Bible reading, prayer, all of that stuff, I said it's good. There are moments, though, where we need to switch up in order to experience God in a new way, right? Like, if you're always eating the same meal, right, like, there are moments where, like, I, I get it. Sometimes that's, that's just the rhythm we're in, right? You're working a lot, whatever the case may be, and you have time. You know how to cook this grilled cheese. Cook that grilled cheese and, and, and you know what I mean, and enjoy it. But there are moments where, like, hey, you can experience a wide variety of flavors, right? And I think for some of us, we don't experience God in all of the ways that he wants to express himself to us because we've kind of been stuck in a one-track mind, right? One way of experiencing God. And so, listen, if you're, like, spending time with God indoors, yo, go for a walk, right? Experience God in nature. Switch it up. If you're always reading and maybe you just love just like praying, like uttering words, maybe try journaling this week, right? Switch up your routine so that you might be able to feel the impact of, of all the ways that God can express himself to us. And so I don't know what that is for you. Would you pray about um, ways that God wants you to uh, spend time with him because he has joy for y'all. He has joy for you guys. Like, I know sometimes we doubt that, but listen, God wants to delight, wants you to delight in him. God wants you to experience his joy. And this last point, and I'm out your way, it says, why are we, why are we doing all this? I, I expressed this last week, but I want to ground us in this. Like, why are we doing these things? Why are we spending time in God's word? Why are we diversifying the way we spend time with Jesus, right? We're not just doing this because this is like six steps to success, right? Or we're just doing it because like we want to be disciplined for the sake of discipline or we want to be good Christians, but this is important. We're doing this because of what God has done for us. Like, I remember when my wife, were, uh, my wife and I were dating, and I remember something I always uh, thought about when we were dating. Like, there were moments where, like, I would drive far to see her, right, and, like, or, or drive to drop her off, right, or I would do certain things. I would cook and all of this stuff, right, and I always noticed that there were moments where it did, it, like, it didn't feel hard, Right. And I always wonder, there, there's something about that. And don't get me wrong. Following Jesus can be hard at times. I'm not trying to, you know, deny that aspect. But it was rooted in the fact that I loved her. Right. There was something about being able to experience that love from her and my love to her that it allowed the things that I did to be like a joy. Does that make sense? And so what we're seeking, ultimately, we're seeking this joyful obedience, this joyful cultivating of our relationship with God. And I think 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 10 sums it up. It says this, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. And this is the key here. This is why we labor and strive. Why, why do we discipline ourselves? Why do we spend time with God in the morning, pray, uh, go out for prayer walks, go in nature to try to like just slow down and spend time with God? Because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the savior of all people and especially of those who believe. We'll talk about it more next week, but your life being satisfied in God is crucial for other people experiencing God's satisfaction. 
but God has actually created uh, through the gospel. He saved you. He forgave you. He gave you life in him. He has a promise for you to experience the full satisfaction in the future in glory with him. He has the opportunity for you to experience satisfaction here on earth. And so we experience all of that because of what Jesus has done on the cross by dying for our sins and resurrecting, right? Like we experience that. And because of that, it causes us to want to spend time with him, right? Like, that's the point. We're spending time with God to know him better because of what Jesus has accomplished for us, what Jesus has done. Jesus has initiated this relationship with us, and now he's saying, would you actually experience what I paid for? Like, how foolish would that be? Jesus gave his life, but then he's saying, it's available to you, and we're like, nah, I'm good, right? Like, Jesus opened the door for us to be satisfied because of what he's done, and that's the root of why we cultivate. This is the root of why we seek these things and why we seek to spend time with God. And so my prayer for y'all is that, would you pray about some of these things, guys? Would you switch up maybe some routines you've been doing? Would you pray and ask God, God, would you be invited into all of my time as the worship team comes up? Would you uh, bow your head with me and eyes closed, would you just take this time to just say, God, would you lead me this week? God, would you show me those things that I can do and not just to do them, but God, ways that you are inviting me in to experience you? Because this is what Jesus paid for. With his own blood, he gave the opportunity for you to experience life in him. Not just salvation, but a vibrant relationship with him. And so would you ask God, God, would you fill me? God, would you satisfy me? God, would you lead me to your pathways of joy so that I may experience the satisfaction that you paid for. And Father, God, I love you, Lord, and I know my friends here do too. God, I pray, Lord, would you satisfy us? Lord, would you lead us to pathways of joy? God, would you forgive us for making routines, just routines, God, but would you open up our eyes to understand, God, that these are pathways of joy, God? Would you refresh us in our time that we spend with you, whether it's by ourselves or with one another, God, and would you reinvigorate, God, our time with you in different ways, God, and maybe some of the ways we've just kind of practiced. Lead us to joy in you, God. Lead us to satisfaction in you. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. We pray it was life-giving. To find out more about us, visit our website at rocksboroughchurch.org and join us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m.